you, Father, for heaven here this morning to change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. We're going to make another confession here. Uh, I want you to, you can, well, you can go ahead and start that. That's, we thank you. Just repeat this after me. Today, Today. I'm fresh and flourishing in every arena of my life. Today is a good day, full of Holy Ghost opportunities that you, Father, have made for me. Your Spirit in me is greater than he, he who is in the world. You are always for me. And if you are for me, then nothing can prevail against me. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So nothing can prevail against us, right? If he's for us, nothing can prevail against us. As Christians, we need to think differently than the world because you're not like other people. All right? Is the word saying you're better? Well, it's not that you're better, but you're, you, you, you have the presence of God, so that there alone makes you better than everybody else. And you're not better because of what you did. You're better because of what he did for you. And Satan will try to stop you from getting that revelation and put you down and get you thinking wrong so that you, that light doesn't go on in your life. Because once that light goes on and you see that, look, I'm not like these other people in the world. I'm not even like a lot of other Christians because they're not following this word. But I'm going to choose to live my life according to the word of God and I'm going to trust in the Lord Jesus and I'm going to grow in him. I'm going to get stronger. I'm not going to get weaker. I'm going to get wiser. Because why? Because I'm spending time with the Father and there's some things that are happening. All right, I want to talk to you today about spiritual depth. That's the title of the message, spiritual depth. When we as Christians talk about things of the Spirit, you know, we, we, we talk about being led by the Spirit. And, you know, a lot of Christians will, will tell you, well, I'm, I'm led by the Spirit, but they really don't have any basis in Scripture for what that means. And how do they know? Yes? Is this depth as in deep? Yeah, depth. depth. No, depth as in deep. D-E-P-T-H. Depth. Okay, you know, it, it, it says, in, I believe it's in Psalms, it says, the, uh, deep calleth unto deep. All right, so God's calling us unto a deeper um, uh, revelation of him, not just shallow. But most Christians spend their entire lives in shallow water. You know, the things of God are like an ocean. And he wants us away from the shore. Most people are just standing right at the shore where the waves are coming in. They get their feet a little wet. Well, I don't want to go out there too deep because I don't know what's out there. Well, that's, that's really true of the things of God. You know, I understand you stand at the ocean. You don't want to go out there because of what, what is really out there. But, you know, when you talk about the things of God, there's no bad things out there. You know, in our oceans, yes, there's all kinds of different things that can, can get on you and do things to you. But the things of God, there's, not, there's nothing that's going to get on you from God that's going to hurt you. It's going to make you better. 
So see, we have to get over that mentality that I'm just going to stand at the shore and just get my feet a little bit wet. I might wait out there ankle deep or knee deep or thigh deep or whatever, but I'm definitely not going to get in where it's over my head and I've got to swim. All right? But see, with the things of God, they, it's calling us unto that. He's calling you unto a deeper relationship of him and with him. So if you would, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll get started there. Because if you want to see God move in your life, you know, you're going to have to make an effort. We're going to have to make an effort, and not just an effort, but we got to, the things that we know, we've got to become more skillful with them. It's not just enough to know that, well, I know that Jesus wants to heal me, and he has healed me, and he's already paid the price. Okay, but you're going to have to get skillful in that healing. Not just for yourself, but so that you can minister to somebody else. You can, you can, you can have an effect in their lives. All right? Because when you start standing on the Word of God and you start speaking the things of God, you're, you're, you're going to pierce darkness. Why? Because that's the light of God. The light of God that's in you wants to pierce every area of darkness, first of all, in your life but not only just in your life, your life around you have an effect on them so that other people will look at you and see that, wow, I see something in you I've never seen before. Well, why? The reason why is they've been walking in darkness. But see, there's areas in our lives, I don't care where you're at, there's areas in your life that there's things that have been in darkness that you've never seen, but the Spirit of the Lord will reveal them to you so that what? You're not in darkness anymore. You start to get a, a comprehension for things. So we're going to start here in, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts. And it says, and it, in the, if you've got a King James, that word gifts is highlighted. That means it was added all right, later on to give a clarity. But I, I, I think that really kind of muddies the water not really talking about just spiritual gifts. It's talking about spirituals. Then really the, the original said, now concerning spirituals, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Thing, what's spirituals? It's things of the Spirit. Being spiritually minded. Alright? Paul, and Paul was saying that to the church at Corinth. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant. Why? Because we know that people are destroyed for two reasons. Because they don't know, they don't have any knowledge, or they've rejected it. So Paul had seen a situation here in, in, at the church at, uh, at, at Corinth that there was some spiritual depth that they needed, and he addresses them in this letter because he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of these things. It's important because these things... When, when he talks in this portion of the letter, he's talking about these things are very important. We need to really kind of pay a lot closer attention to those. But he said, you know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. So what dumb idols? Well, as Gentiles, they worshipped a lot of many different things. And that's what Paul's reminding. He said, you know that when you were Gentiles, now you're Christians. You've been separated. You're no longer Gentiles because you know, you're, you're, you've been grafted in to the body of Christ. So you're no longer worldly. He said, you were carried away with these dumb idols even as you were led by them. 
All right? He said, Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God would call Jesus accursed. All right? No man would say that Jesus is accursed speaking by the Holy Spirit. Now, the world would say, they might say that, but no man speaking by the Holy Spirit would say that. All right? He says, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. So no man can say Jesus is Lord of their life unless they're being led by the Spirit of God. So guess what? If, if, if you're being led by the Spirit of God, you have, you have relinquished the reins in your life. I, you know, that right there, that's going to stop a lot of people because it's hard to get that concept that I have to release control of my life and give it to the Lord. And we all struggle with it in that area because there's things we want to hold on to. There's things we want to do. And we're afraid that if we relinquish them to the Lord, He's going to take them away from you. You know what? God doesn't take things away from you in that sense. Through fellowship, through revelation of your time with Him, your eyes are open and you see that those things aren't important. And you just step away from them. That doesn't mean there's thing, everything in your life you're going to have to give up. It means you give up control over those things. And some, um, you know, for a lot of people, most of the things in your life, there will change. And you have to trust the Lord and let him reveal that to you. Oh, I mean, part of my testimony was when I got really rededicated my life to the Lord 25 years ago. Um, I never really liked to read um, until prior, prior to that time. There was, a, there was a few years before I rededicated my life to the Lord that I started studying Civil War. And in studying Civil War, the only way you study Civil War is you read books. I mean, it's pretty simple. You're not going to get a lot, at that, at that, especially at that time, because the Internet wasn't, isn't what it was like today. You, know, you might be able to Google, I don't even know if we had Google back then, but you might be able to go online and, and get some basic information, but to really get a lot of depth, you needed to get order books and you needed to do some reading. So that kind of that started uh, happening in my life. I started reading books, which I, up until that time, I could count on one hand the number of books I'd read in my entire life, from um, uh, grade school all the way up to through college. I just I didn't like to read. But when I rededicated my life to the Lord, God didn't say, Michael, I, I want you to quit studying the Civil War. He didn't. He, he, he's never said that to me. I just lost the desire to study it because I, I found something I was more hungry for. So what happened was I replaced things that I, I really enjoyed with something I enjoyed a lot more. It wasn't, it wasn't like it was taken from me. I mean, to this day, I occasionally will go and read some articles or things like that. But, you know, what happens is there's no condemnation at all when I do that. I don't feel under any condemnation for reading an article on the Civil War. But what happens is inside me something goes off and it's like, 
I could be drawn closer to the Lord than, than really reading this. And that desire kicks in. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to read the Word. I'm going to get something from the Word that feeds me today that will sustain me throughout, not just today, but the rest of my life and the rest of eternity. I'll always have time in heaven to go back and literally see the Civil War. See, those are things you need to think about. You're all in heaven. You're going to have time to go back and literally see those things. It's not like what we think of things. So in the, in the realm of the Spirit, things are different. And that's what Paul was trying to get across to him. I want you to see something deeper here than what's going on. So he says, now, there are diversities of gifts in the kingdom, but it's the same Spirit. It's the same spirit. There are differences of administrations, it says in the King James. That word administrations really, really means ministries. There are, there are different types of ministries, but it's the same Lord. It's the same Lord over those ministries. It's not a different Lord. The same Lord that's over, that's over the helps ministry is over the children's ministry. It's not a different one. It's the same one. And he says, and there, there, there are diversities of operation, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. But here, we'll look at this, this scripture here. It says in verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to do what? To bring increase to us. That's the purpose of that. The, the manif- What's the manifestation? It's, it's God showing up. You know, we, 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 when we talk about the glory of God, the glory of God is the manifested presence of God. It's the manifested presence. So what happens in, in, in the manifested presence of God? There's miracles. Things are changed. There's healing. There's deliverances. When you get in the presence of God, the glory of God comes in. Sometimes it's like a cloud. All right? It's, it's like a cloud. And when that happens, um, there's just change. Change comes. And hearts are completely, people are completely changed. They're no longer the same. They leave those services, they leave those encounters completely different because of the manifested presence of God in those situations. And there's churches today that they don't know how to get into that situation because the glory of God shows up when he wants to, not when you want him to. But I will say hunger really has an effect on on the manifested presence of God. But there's churches today, they use uh, fog machines to imitate the glory of God. Why? Because they have no idea how to be in the manifested presence of God. So what do they do? They use imitations. As a matter of fact, um, the make, some of the makers of, of those fog machines said the biggest sellers that they sell to are churches. Wow. You would think rock concerts and things like No, no, it's churches. Because they're trying to imitate the things of God and they're not trying to use the Spirit of God to do it. They're doing it themselves. So people get into, into service 
is in there because they're so fleshly. See, Paul was really speaking about this back then. He said, I, I, I don't want you to be ignorant of things of the Spirit, but understand how they operate so that you can recognize false ones, but also you understand that there's depth to what God's doing in your life. There's reasons behind everything. But, it, but people don't notice because why? They're just so busy standing on the shore, they don't want to get their feet. They'll get their feet wet, but they don't want to get in very far. But God's calling you to a deeper walk. And that deeper walk requires you to have a deeper understanding of what's happening, what's going on around you. So that's what he said here. He said, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to bring increase in people's lives. And that's what, 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 hap, what we see in churches is they're trying to imitate that, and nobody's getting increased. Why? Because you, you can run a fog machine all you want. It's not going to change your life. I've never heard anybody say, I bought, hey, I went and bought this fog machine, and I plugged it in my house, and the fog started coming in, and my heart was just changed. Now I just love people. As a matter of fact, I got healed. I've never heard anybody say that. But I've seen people that have gotten in the, into the glory cloud of God and their lives were changed, their hearts were changed, they were healed, they were delivered. That's happened. All right? Let's go on here. Verse 8, he says, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Now the, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge are two separate things. It's not that it may sound the same, but it's not. It's two separate things. All right? Wisdom, basically, it, 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 it shows you, uh, gives you revelation on something you don't know. That's a word of wisdom. Or it confirms something that you're, you're feeling already. A word of knowledge will show you how to operate in something. It'll give you direction. Okay? But it's the same spirit. Verse 9, he says, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. Now see, you can't get those confused, the gifts of faith and the gifts of healing. That's, that, that's not in reference to believing God for healing. The gift of healing is not in reference to believing God for healing. The gift of healing happens as the Spirit of God moves upon the situation. And when that happens, everybody, people get, they, people get healed. Years ago, um, a guy I knew had, had his, his, um, his brother had a stroke, and he was in St. Mary's at the time. I know it's called Ascension now, but it was St. Mary's on Washington Avenue. And he called me, he said, Mike, could you come down here and pray for my brother? He's had a stroke, and he's paralyzed on one side of his body. I said, yeah, I'll come on down there. Now, this is around 20 years ago. So I don't have a knowledge of what I do today. But what happened, in, I, I went in there and I prayed for his brother, and immediately he regained the, the, the use of his whole, whole left side. He said, well, I couldn't even move my eyes. I, I've got an prayer. I said, now do something you couldn't do before. He said, oh, well, I couldn't move my, I couldn't move my arm. I can't now. I said, is that all? He said, well, I can move my leg now, and I couldn't before. Well, about that time, um, this, uh, this, uh, his mother was there, and she said, well, Mike, would you, would you pray for me? I've had, I've had problems 
with my heart. And I've had like, a, I think she said a murmur or something like that. And I said, well, sure. So I, saw, I prayed for her, and uh, the Lord healed her right on the spot. And not only that, she said something, she said, I had another issue that I didn't even tell you about. I, had, I was having trouble breathing. And she said, that's gone too. I can breathe easily now. I said, well, praise God. Well, his, his sister about that time came in the room, and I, she had something. I can't, even, I can't even remember what it was. I prayed for her. The Lord healed her on the spot. And a little while later, we, got to, we were standing around talking, and she, his sister went out of the room. She came back about 10 minutes later. She said, Mike, you need to go down there and uh, pray for this family down there. I said, well, what's going on? She said, well, I was just down the hall here, and I was out in the hall talking to the, the, the family. Uh, they've got a daughter that's in, in, the, in the room over there, and the doctors don't know what's wrong with her, but she's dying. And a matter of fact, she has a daughter, and the daughter died this morning. And she said, you probably ought to go down there and pray for him. I said, well, Lord, what, you know, I was asking the Lord, what do you want to do here? And the Lord spoke to me about what Paul, what happened with Paul with the, with, with, uh, the, cloth, the cloth. And he said, pick up that towel over there. And he said, pray over that towel and bind up the spirit of death and release the spirit of life. And give it to this sister and say, take it down there to the, to the family. Because you've already talked to him. Why the Lord didn't have me go, I don't know. I, I, can't, I didn't ask that question. You know, I just did what he said. He said, give it to her, have her go down there, and tell her to tell the family, if you put this under your daughter's pillow, do it right now. Because they said what they, she had, they didn't even know what she had, so they wouldn't allow anybody in the room. Only the parents could go in next to Ken. I said, tell them, the Lord said, if they will put that under her pillow, she won't die. She said, okay. So she took that and went down there. Now, I left the hospital that night, and the next day I was talking to my wife at home. I said, you know, man, last night was powerful. I said, it just seemed like people I prayed for, they, everybody was getting healed of things. I said, I, I didn't sense anything different. It was just things were different. I mean, but God was just moving. I said, you know, that woman last night, I know God healed her. I said, but, you know, I would like kind of a little confirmation, you know, something like that. I wouldn't stick around there all night. But, you know, I left, and so my wife and I had, 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 fixed, had fixed dinner, and we got done eating, and I said, well, I, I think I'm just going to go in and watch a little bit of TV, and so, which I don't do anymore. No, yeah, that was a long time ago, but I don't do that. I, I, I you know, I, I just got better time with, my, with what I'm doing. Anyway, so I said that to her, I said, you know, I just like a little confirmation, Walked in, turned the television on, and as soon as the TV came on, it was on channel 14, and the, the news was on, and they said, stick around because next we got a story of a woman that received a miracle here at a local hospital. I said, how do you might want to come in here for this? <laughs> they come back, and, and they were talking about, he said, there was a woman at, 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 at St. Mary's Hospital, and her family said God healed her. And what she find, come to find out, and said, matter of fact, the daughter had died the day, the day earlier in the day, and they found out it was meningitis. But the doctors, had, they hadn't diagnosed it at the time.
but the family said God healed her daughter. Well, I, I'm like, well, there's confirmation. I said, so what the Lord had showed me, he said, the gifts of healings were in manifestation. When the gift of healings in manifestation, people get healed whether they want to or not. See, that's different than using your faith for healing. That's, what, that's why I want you to understand that's what Paul's talking about here when he refers to um, the, gift, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. It's not you, you, you and me using your faith and believing God for healing in your body. That's, you know, it comes from the same Spirit, but it's a different gift. All right? The gifts of healing refers to something totally different. All right? It says by the same Spirit. Verse 10, To another the working of miracles to another prophecy, to another interpretation of tongues. And just real quick, that doesn't mean tongues is of uh, a gift of the Spirit in the sense, this, this, uh, this um, different, diverse kinds of tongues means that you can speak in many different languages. All right? Perry Stone had a, his, I believe it was his grandfather. His, his grandfather had both these gifts in operation in his life. Because he could go in, and he was an uh, he. Oh no, it was an uncle. It was I'm sorry. It was it was his, his uncle. He had that gift operating in his life, and he was an uneducated. Didn't even graduate high school. And he would go to mining towns and that, and uh, uh, in Virginia, all through Virginia, which had at that time back in the early 1900s, had people from you know Germany and and, and Yugoslavia and places like that. And he would go into these places and God would have a word for him and he'd give the word in their tongue. And they understood exactly what he was saying. So that's what it's talking about. That's, it's, it's talking about diverse kinds of tongues into the, another, the interpretation of tongues. So what's the gift of interpretation of tongues? The gift of interpretation of tongues is the same thing. As they speak to you in their language, you can interpret exactly what they're saying, even though they're speaking in their language, but it's not a language that you've learned. And that's a little bit different than when somebody in here gives a, a tongue and somebody else interprets. It's not the same thing. It's, it's a different operation. But it's the same spirit. So that's what Paul was, what he's talking about. He says, but all of these worketh the one and the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. Notice here, there's a key. Dividing to every man as the spirit of God wills. So you have him praying for it and asking God to give it to you. He's not going to give it to you because you ask. he gives those things. Really, they manifest because people are hungry. When you're hungry, the gifts that's, that, that God is going to use, they're going to manifest. They're going to manifest in your life. If you want them to manifest, you're going to get hungry for God. Just get hungry for him. How do you do that? You spend more time in the Word. You think about him. You talk about him all the time. All right, and what you're what you're doing, you're developing hunger, you're developing hunger, and you're you're drawing heaven into your life, and it's going to start showing up. How long does it take? I don't know. You know, it could be days, weeks. It, you know, it, different things. But see, God, He's talking to us about something different here. He says, "For as the body is one," now here, here he he's not stopped yet. He's still talking about not being ignorant of spiritual things. For, for as the body is one and has many members, all the members of that one body, 
being many are one body, so also is Christ. So in the body of Christ, we've got many people. We've got many people. There's many parts in the body. Verse 13, it says, For by one spirit are we baptized unto one body. So when you got baptized, you're baptized, you're born again, you're saved into one body, and that's the body of Christ. Whether you be Jews or Gentiles, that's because Paul's speaking to both. Whether we be bond or free, whether you be slaves or free, and have, have, all, and, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many members. And then he goes on here and he talks about the body. If the foot shall say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? No. If the foot says, well, because I'm not a hand, why? Because the hand does more things. The foot has usually shoes on it, socks on it. It's not seen. The hand's out in the open. The foot, the foot can't say, well, I want to be seen by everybody. Can it... Can it is it not therefore not in the body because it's a, a foot? No, and that's what Paul's saying. It's just it's still important. It's still important. He says, and if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? No, it's still of the body. No matter where they're at, they're still of the body. Verse 17, he says, If if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? Oh, that's kind of weird. Think about that. You, you don't have a body, but you, you're just one big, it's just an eyeball. That would, that would really be weird. He says, if it were a body, where would the hearing be? Why? Because you don't have any ears. You just got an eye. If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? You would never smell anything. But now, verse 18, but now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. Now, see, here's the revelation. In the things of the Spirit, places are important to God. They should, therefore, they should be important to us. Where God has placed you in the body of Christ is important. Most people never hear this. Most, church, most Christians have never heard this revelation from the Word. Remember how it started. I don't want you to be ignorant of the things of the Spirit. Where God places you is important. If, if He puts you in the, in the foot, that's where you stay. You can't say, well, I'm a foot, I want to be a hand. If He puts you in the ear, you can't say, I don't want to be an ear, I want to be an eyeball. No, you can't. What, what happens if you, were, if you were to move? Think about it in the human body. If you went into a doctor and said, Doc, I'd like you to take my, my left foot here and cut it off and put it over here on my arm. Well, if they were able to even do that, I don't know whether they would be able to or not, but if they were able to do that, now you've got a hand here and a foot up here. What good's the foot going to really do up there? But the other problem is now your foot is gone from down here. So you only have one foot to stand on. Literally. literally. You literally only, because you can't stand on this foot that you've got out here. 
So places are important. You know, Jacob said, we talked a little bit about this last week, but he said back in the Old Testament, you know, when he had that vision and he saw a, a staircase come down from heaven and he saw the angels ascending and descending. That's very important because what were the angels doing? They were going up, getting the message from heaven, and coming right back down and delivering it. But Jacob says this, he said, surely God was in this place. And I didn't know it. I didn't even know it. And that speaks volumes of a lot of people when it comes to church. They don't sense that God's in the place and they leave not knowing that God was there the whole time and was trying to speak to you. So see, when God brings you to a place, you have to understand, where you go to church at is a matter of life and death. It really is. Because if you're sitting in a church that doesn't teach these things out of the Bible, and you get sick, and they don't believe in healing, and, I'm, and I say that in the sense they don't teach about it. Because most churches say, well, we believe God will heal. Yeah, yeah, I understand that you say you believe God will heal, but do you see healings in your church? Do you teach about healing? Do, do, you, do you pray for the sick? Do your people understand about what the Word says about healing? Well, no, we never really... Then, then you, you don't believe in healing. And what will happen is... I was reading a book many years ago, F.F. Bosworth, Christ the Healer. It's a classic Christian book. It's one where if you don't have in your library, you need to have Christ the Healer. But F.F. Bosworth said this in Christ the Healer. He said, and he, and he ministered back in the early 19th. He, he was around Azusa Street, the Azusa Street Revival. And he said this. He said, whatever doctrine of the Bible that church does not believe in, you'll see the, the, the demonic spirit working in that church. If they don't teach about healing, you, you, half the congregation or more will be sick. If they don't teach about um, prosperity, how God wants you to prosper, everybody will be broke. And they'll even say goofy things like, God wants you to prosper, now we're going to take up an offering. Or we don't believe in God wants you to prosper, I should say. We don't believe in God that God wants you to prosper. But then they'll go ahead and take up an offering. How contradictory is that? You don't believe God wants you to prosper, but then you're going to take up an offering. You were telling people God doesn't want you to increase financially. But now you're going to take up an offering. and ask for, that You're contradicting yourself. So what F.F. Bosworth, you know, he, he said... Whatever they don't believe in that church, they'll have a problem. And so what you have, what we have to see today is a lot of these things they don't believe. The only thing a lot of churches believe, they believe in salvation. They believe in salvation. Well, that's the most important thing. Don't get me wrong. But what you're going to wind up having is you've got a church that believes that when they die, they're going to heaven. But the problem is they're going to go to heaven sooner than, rather than later. And they're going to go broke. And they're going to go defeated. Because their view of the rapture is a, is a deliverance from the terror of the world. 
The rapture is not a great deliverance from the terror of the world. It's a deliverance from the terror that's coming on the world. But it's not a divine rescue plan. It's a glorious manifestation of Jesus and his bride on the, church, on the earth. It's one that when we, he's coming back for a church without spot or blemish. How can you be spotless and, and blemish without blemish if you don't understand the deep things of the Spirit? You won't. You'll be like those people standing on the seashore, well, my feet are wet. But God's out there in the deep. He's calling you onto the deep to get a deeper revelation, a deeper understanding. So what he said here, he said, but now God has set members, every one of them, in the body as it pleases him. I tell people, you need to, you need to ask God, where is it that I'm supposed to go to church? Or you ask, you know, I've asked people over the years, why do you go where you go? Well, because my parents go there. All the friends go there. My grandparents went there. My great-grandparents went there. Brothers and sisters go there. We, we, we just go there. Very few. I can think of, on one hand, I can count the number of times I've had somebody say, God told me to go there. So guess what? Most people are in the wrong places. Because they've never heard this. Then they wonder why when something bad happens to them. Oh God, help me, help me, help me. Well, you're in the wrong place. God was trying to teach you spiritual things and get revelation to you so that you understand God was putting you in a place in his body. He's got a place for you. If you're sitting with the elbows and, and you're a fingernail, you're out of place. Did you think about the, I heard Dick Rubin say this one time. You think about the fingernail on this little finger here. If that's you, you, you don't see a lot of action, right? As opposed to the hand, or as opposed to the as opposed to the eye, you don't see a lot of action. But if you got a little scratch or an itch on the inside of your ear, you can take that finger and rub it, and it feels better. So it's important. It's important for you to be where you're supposed to be. Very important. So don't look at your life and say, it doesn't seem like anything's really happening. First of all, you've got to find out, am I where I'm supposed to be? Well, how, do you, how would you know? Well, one thing, you, know, you feel it in here. You're getting fed. All right? You're, 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 you're getting stronger. That's one way you know. All right? But if you're sitting, you know, if you're like a lot of people, well, we just go to church and we go out to eat afterwards and we go back throughout the week and see nothing's changing in our lives. Nothing's changing. Nothing's getting better. Matter of fact, a lot of Christians today, you can probably ask them, they'll say, well, our lives pretty much get worse and worse all the time. Where do you find that in the Bible? It says that we go from glory to glory. Glory to glory. All right, in verse 19 it says, and if they were all one member, where were the body? If they were all one member, where would the body be? See, you Places are important. You can't just say, well, I'm in the body of Christ. Yes, you are in the body of Christ, but where at in the body are you? Again, Paul's trying to point out to the church, you should be ignorant of these things. Because you can be doing something that you think 
It's, it glorifies God, but God never called you to do it. God never called you to do it. In Ephesians, it said God gave gifts unto men. He says some apostles, not all. Some pastors, not all. There's people, there's people pastoring churches that when you talk to them and you ask them about the call, well, how, how did God call you into the ministry? And I've heard several of them say, well, I, I can't say I really heard a voice. I just felt it was the right thing to do. What do you mean you didn't hear a voice? My sheep know my voice. You're a pastor. Some of them get into it because they get into a nice church and, and, and pays a salary. Until another church comes along and offers them more money. And then they go to the next church. The Bible calls them hirelings. Yeah, they're hirelings. They're just in it for the money. They're not in it for the people. Understand God has a place for everybody and they're, they're of importance. Go to um, 2 Timothy real quick here. 2 Timothy and chapter 1. Second Timothy, chapter one, and verse nine. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, "Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose?" Here's Revelation. See, there's some deep things coming here. Who has saved you? and called you with a holy calling, not according to your works, what you can do, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Here's that word grace again. And we talked about that word grace in the past as, as you know, you are saved by faith through grace. Grace is a power. So God, it says, God puts you in for his purpose and grace. For his purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. God has a purpose for you. So see, if God has a purpose and you believe that God has a purpose for you and you should, then he's got a place for you to what? To receive direction for your purpose. To receive direction for your purpose. One of the things that God's going to do is, first of all, he's going to show you who you are in Christ. That's one way you'll know if you're in the right place. As you grow and you get understanding of who you are in Christ and what's yours, you start to think differently. You start to act differently. And, and through that process of renewing your mind, revelation comes to you and you start to change. And God is not twisting your arm, making you change. No, you're doing it willingly because what? A light has come on. Right? If you walk into a room, let's say, you know, <laughs> you, you walk into a room at night at your house and it's dark and you can't see. And you've lived in that house for 
15, 20 years. Do you turn the light on or you just say, well, I know where, I know where everything's at? I mean, you've lived there 15, 20 years. Why do you need to turn the light on? You know where everything's at. But you still turn the light on, don't you? Why? Because you understand that with light, you see things that you don't normally see, even though you know things are there. Right? So light does what? It, it brings clarity to everything. As you walk closer with the Lord, as you develop that relationship with Him, what happens is the light gets brighter and brighter and starts showing you things you never even saw before. And so when change comes to you, it doesn't come by force. God's not forcing you to change. You're doing it of your own free will because you're saying, wow, the more I found, the more I do it His way, things seem to get better. See, the world can't understand that. Most Christians don't understand that. Why? You're at a depth of, they're still at the shore. You're out, out there somewhere. You, may be, you can't even touch the bottom of the ocean of God. And you're talking to Christians that they're still standing here on the shore and the, the waves come up and they get their ankles wet. Meanwhile, you're out, now you, you're beyond the barrier reef. You're out in the open ocean of God. So that's why you can't compare yourself to others. You can't look at others and see all the people gathered on the beach. And you're out in the ocean by yourself. Nobody's around. Kind of a picture of the church today. Well, we, we like to be with the people on the beach. Where the water's hitting our, our toes. And I can feel the sand. But there's no depth there. When you die, you get to go to heaven, but you know what? You might die long before your time. But the deep things of God. Let's go on here. All right. All right, verse 10. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Sister Donna, do you have the Amplified open there? You do. Would you mind reading verse 10 for me out loud so everybody can hear it? Listen to this. It is that purpose and grace which he now has made known and has fully disclosed and made real to us through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who annulled death and made it of no effect and brought life and immortality, immunity from eternal death to light through the gospel. He annulled death. Do you know what annulment means? Now, the Catholic Church has something that if a couple gets married and they divorce, they can annul the, 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 the marriage. And what does that mean? The Catholic Church believes that they can annul the, the marriage, and in, in God's eyes, it means it never happened. So, read that again about the annulment part. even die the way another person dies. Oh, death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? It's no more. Because death has been annulled in our lives. We don't experience it. It's gone. It never existed. Start to see some clarity now? 
Death does not exist in your life because you're filled with the Spirit of God. So why talk about it? Why worry about it? Because you're not going to experience it. You literally step out of your human body over into heaven. Beautiful gardens, beautiful roads, beautiful homes, beautiful pe people are enjoying things. It's nothing like what you see here. But I'll tell you this much, if, you, if, you, if all you think about is going to heaven and you lock your faith on that, you're coming out of that body. Now, I don't mean this in a bad way, but a lot of Christians, what will happen is they'll get sick and that sickness will wear on them. And maybe it's a year, five years, ten years, or whatever. See, God wants to deliver you. He doesn't want that sickness staying in you. But my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, and they're rejected. So what happens after 10 or 15 years of this going on and on and on and on, and they're not using their faith because they don't, even know, they don't, know, it, they don't know that God doesn't want them having that. Or they've known it, or they've heard about it, but they rejected it. And they surmise, well, you've got to die of something. How about you just close your eyes and go home? So what happens is, after a period of time, they start talking to heaven. Lord, I want to come home. I'm tired of this sickness. I'm tired of this going on in my body. What are they doing? They're giving up. Well, I don't want to be here no more. I'm hurting all the time. I'm aching all the time. I want to come home. There's no real faith in that, but see what's happening is you're locking on to the things of heaven. And you'll come out of that body before it's time. Paul talked about fighting the good fight of faith. It's a fight. It means you're going to have to get aggressive with it. It means you're going to have to speak to things in your life. You're going to have to praise the Lord for delivering you from things. And thanking Him in His Word and said, Lord, I take your Word and just like a sword, I'm wielding it into the spirit realm and cutting that stuff off of my life. I'm not going to be broke anymore. If finances are a problem with you, then you need to speak to it. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches. Jesus became poor that I might be rich. That you know, All the silver and gold God said is his. Everything. All the money is his. And he's going to be your supply. So you're not broke. Quit saying you're broke. Quit saying you run out of money before you run out of month. That's of the devil. He's trying, to, he's trying to get you to call in your ungodly harvest. And God, heaven is trying to get you to call in what's, your, what's rightfully yours. And it's already been paid for. It's already in your account. But if you don't tap into that account... You'll never pull out of that account what's already yours and been paid for. I mean, imagine living your life like a, a pauper, broke, defeated, and having a hundred million dollars in the bank. Well, God, it's more than a hundred million. But I, I mean, 
To me, $100 million, that's a lot of money. A million dollars is a lot of money. But see, when you talk about heaven, you have that kind of wealth because what's yours is here, is, is his. Or what's yours is his and what's his is yours. That's why you're trusting the Lord in your life because what he's giving you is worth a whole lot more than what you're giving him. <laughs> what he's giving us is worth a whole lot more than anything we could ever give him. But still, he's asking us to trust him. Grow in him. Grow in his word. Take the word of God. Stand on it. Let it change your life. God's not going to force you to change. He's not going to twist your arm. He's going to encourage you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to give you the word and show you with his word what he's already done for you. you. You tap into that by saying, I see that in your word. You've already done that for me. I believe it. I believe you, Lord. I believe what your word says. I believe your word is more powerful than anything that's going on in my life. No matter what it is I need, no matter how the enemy is attacking me, your word is more powerful, and I believe your word, and I'm going to speak it over my situation. And you watch. It changes. It will change. How soon? I, do, I can't tell you that. But it will change. You'll start to see things and feel things almost immediately, but see, you're so attached to your flesh, and you're so used to listening to what it's been saying for such a long time, you're not even going to sense the power of God moving through your life in the beginning. But I promise you, you stick to the Word of God and you stand up and say, I believe what the Word of God says. And you speak that word over your situation. By His stripes I'm healed. By His stripes I'm healed. You, you, I'm not going to forget your benefits. You, 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 you healed my, all my sicknesses. You forgot all of my sins. You redeemed my life from destruction. Then one day, a little light comes on. And it may look like a light at the end of the tunnel. The next day, it's a little bit brighter. The next day, it's a little bit brighter. The next day, a little bit brighter. The next day, the whole thing's lit up. You get that breakthrough. But see, it starts with you believing the Word. And understand, God's got a place for you. He puts you where he puts you so that he can, he can get something to you. Did you get something today? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, we're looking forward to next weekend and, and having Brother Norman, uh, Dr. Norman here with us. Praise God. Let's stand up here. God's not done yet here. God's not done yet here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. Sister Donna, hallelujah. Thank you, Father.